Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. I am looking out the window of my studio in Fort Collins. The sun is shining. The it's warming up really quick. You know, we we're, we got changing conditions. We're going to talk a lot about that, about what's going on in the fishing world and animal activity. Uh, but it's changing down here. It's not changing in the mountains. We're also going to talk about some of the stress that's being put on our big game by the amount of snow. You know, there's always two sides to every coin. Uh, and there's going to be great ice fishing opportunities in the mountains for a few weeks at places like Granby and Blue Mesa. The Travel has actually gotten easier. The, the slush, for the most part, has hardened up, and the fishing has been phenomenal up there. So that'll go on. But a lot of people's attention is turning now to the long rods and open water, and we're going to talk quite a bit about that during the day today, too. Um, in a couple weeks, Bob Hicks is going to rejoin us, and we're going to dedicate a whole section of the show to turkey hunting. Bob and I used to do this 20-some years ago on the show. And we would dedicate a whole show, but we're at least going to give a segment or two to turkey hunting and really get into both some beginning tips and some advanced things. Bob's an excellent turkey hunter, and we'll we'll get him on the show. Next week, uh, we only have a one-hour show. The NCAA, there's an NCAA basketball tournament or something. I can't figure it. I've heard of it. No, I, you know, I don't know if I'm doing a bracket this year or not. I used to get so so caught up in it, and I had so little time to follow it. But it's a lot of fun. So we'll only be on one hour next week because of that, but we'll be back to two after that. Speaking of turkey hunters, our first guest today is not only a great angler and a hunter, but he likes to turkey hunt too. Austin Parr, good morning. For having me. There you are. I got morning. you now. Gotcha. Good morning. Yeah, gotcha. So you, you've shot a turkey or two, I think. Yes, it's uh, one of my favorite things to, to do in the springtime, and, and it's always challenging because we've got so many good fishing opportunities coming up here. But, uh, you know, we got a little bit of turkey woods uh, coming up here as well. So I'm looking forward to both. Yeah, we're going to talk fishing, but i gotta, I got to make one comment on turkey hunting. I remember, oh, two or three decades ago, uh, talking to some people, outdoor writers, and uh, at the time, the president of the National Turkey Foundation, and I said, what's the best advice you can give to a, somebody who wants to get into turkey hunting? And I think Bob Saley, the ex-writer for the Denver Post, was in that conversation. And their answer was, don't, because once you get into it, it'll ruin your life. You'll become obsessed with it. So <laughs> It's an easy thing to become obsessed with. I tell you, once you have that first big strutter, come in the decoys just right and have those gobbles ripping through the woods before first light, it uh, all leads to an addiction. It really, and a good addiction. It's just a, yes. and any of the hunting sports where you're calling and communicating and you have to get into that animal stealth mode, into their comfort zone, is always, there's a certain aspect of that that just puts the, makes the hair on your back of your neck stand up a little bit, doesn't oh, it? Oh, I love it, yes. And it's uh, yeah. one of those things I look forward to every year. And, and I often say that uh, if dogs weren't involved with upland and waterfowl hunting, I think turkey hunting would be my favorite. But uh, the dog work, I think, leads me to have a favorite there with the waterfowl and the upland. All right, let's talk some fishing. My friend, at the lower elevations, at the very least, things they are a-changing, as Dylan said. Times they are a-changing. 
Absolutely. I mean, in, for the most part, ice fishing on the front range and uh, anywhere on the lower elevation is pretty much done now. There's still some folks that are attempting to try and get out there, but it is largely unsafe. Chatfield has been raising now for the last couple of weeks, and we're talking several feet up at the moment. And it's going to uh, lead to some fantastic uh, opportunities, particularly once we get past the spawn and have these fish move up shallow to start feeding. Um, but for the moment, ice fishing is pretty much done, but we're going to be starting to see some spawning activity uh, for those walleyes. They were uh, really uh, showing some signs of that while the uh, ice was still fishable. And now that we're having it recede, we're going to start to see some of these edges crack loose here to the point where we'll be able to fish them. It's maybe just a touch early for that, um, but that evening and, and night bite at places like Chatfield, as well as smaller bodies of water with saw guys and walleyes that allow night fishing, all are going to be thawing here. And with some of these really warm temperatures over the next couple of days, I really think it's going to be time here uh, just within days to be able to catch uh, some of those spawning fish. I couldn't agree more. I think also the the trout on the lower elevation, the lower elevation waters are probably still going to have some ice on them. They're going to be cold. Those trout are going to be in that little bit warmer water by shore where the bug life is coming. The rainbows are going to try to do some false spawning in the reservoirs. They'll actually be spawning in the rivers soon. And all that's going to start taking place. And uh, it's it's going to, we don't know whether we'll get a slow, gradual change or pretty rapid, but my feeling is we're going to see open water come pretty rapidly, even if we get some colder days, because the, we're late in the year, the sun is very high, and it tends to have a, a tremendous heating effect this time of the year. We're going to get some winds moving it around. I went out yesterday, just looked at a few lakes. Horsetooth Reservoir had some openings in South Bay and a little bit off the points. Um, Boyd had a big opening in the middle. I wouldn't have tried to walk out to it. But Carter, about a third of the lake, was open water, and you could have fished not only maybe some walleyes there, but trout. And for a lot of guys that don't like that early in morning, early morning and late night bite, the trout should be going all day, Austin. I really agree with that. And the thing you'll start to find on these front range lakes also is these big rainbows and cut bows move up shallow and attempt to spawn along gravel beds. And if you have any moving water coming in the lake, like at Chatfield. Um, those fish, I've had great success doing that at Aurora Reservoir, um, where you'll have big, uh, big schools of fish along the shoreline that you can do well, both on the fly and conventionally. It's a, a great time to strip light streamers as well as fish egg flies underneath strike indicators. And you can easily throw uh, a little bit faster pace baits that they'll chase. Spinners always can be worthwhile. But you'll have good opportunities at those larger fish um, at this point before uh, the summer heat pushes them into the deeper water while they're still thinking about spawning. So uh, like like we mentioned, there's a lot of opportunities where you'll have uh, good shots at those bigger walleyes as well as uh, awesome opportunities at the trout. And as far as a shore angler's perspective is concerned, this really is one of the best times of year to catch good high-quality fish along the front range. Now, have you heard or have you personally experienced or had any reports of open water, you know? And you don't need the lake to be open. I think we're going to be a little ways away from putting boats out. We'll see how that goes. But the shore fishing, if you have just even a, a medium cast length between you and the ice, you can fish it, and then it'll get better. Have you seen, heard or seen anything? Yeah, so Chadfield still is mostly iced, but there have been some reports over by the Handicap Pier of people catching fish 
heard that some of the uh, some of Kingfisher has opened up on the southern end right now too. So that's certainly an opportunity to give a shot as well as some rainbows moving up the river right now for a fly fishing opportunity. So all of the above at Chatfield has been reasonable. Now keep in mind, uh, as we still have a lot of ice on the lake, that ice will shift around. So sometimes you'll go to a spot that uh, may not be fishable, but it might be fishable after some wind blows that ice around a little bit. Um, So kind of maneuver yourself around. But St. Brain State Park on the north side of the city has opened up for the majority of the lakes. Blue Heron doesn't have a lot of fishable uh, open water and does not have any fishable ice. But uh, places like Sandpiper and Mallard um, all have uh, good open water. Pelican also does too. And uh, the trout fishing has been good up there. And, and you probably will be able to get some good saw guys over the next week or so as Blue Heron cracks back loose. Um, but then Aurora has held fairly reasonable amounts of open water, kind of all ice season. As cold as it was, there was still still some open water out in the middle, and I've been hearing the shore fishing opportunities have been starting out there as well. Yeah, it's going to go quickly. I think we're supposed to be a little cooler tomorrow in the 50s today, and then up 60 on Tuesday. Now, then we get a little another cold spell coming in, but like I said, even on cloudy days right now, the sun, the apex of the sun during the day is so direct that the don't underestimate that solar energy. And you talked about the wind. Once that wind starts moving that ice around and breaking it up. And one of the things I kind of look for too, is areas that just have just become exposed. Uh, you don't even have, even if you cast up on the ice shelf itself and drag a presentation and let it drop, that can be an incredible presentation because it's almost impossible to make as natural a presentation as that just casting to the water. I totally agree, and especially for the trout fishing, I've had really, really good success with that. And, you know, as folks are are still moving around this front range trying to find open water as well, keep in mind that your smaller bodies of water, even ones without trout looking for bass or saw guys as well, but the smaller bodies of water will open up before those larger ones do. So if you're finding quite a bit of ice in in one spot, that does not necessarily mean that the, the small pond just a few blocks away does not have good fishable open water. So it's it's all about just adapting this time of year. Right, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of, you talked about walleyes, but there's going to be bass and crappies and even a few bluegills in pre-spawn. The crappies and bass especially, though, will move shallow long before they spawn to feed. And the, and the thing about this time of the year that I was, you can have some incredible fishing, whether it's trout, walleyes, bass, crappies, whatever it is, you can have great fishing. But the next day, it can be just awful. Or the first, you can sure. go one day and not get a bite. So you have to temper your expectations that you can have some of the best fishing and even some of the biggest fish of the year because they tend to co-mingle a little bit. But then you can also have days when it just doesn't happen. But just enjoy being out there and experimenting. Totally agree. And like you mentioned, it is the, the consistency is not nearly as much there right now. So it's just all about, like you mentioned, adapting. But, um, you know, being with reasonable expectations on a day-to-day basis. But the other thing to really think about is, as you're fishing this time of year is how your presentations differ from the summertime. A lot of times I'm working stuff that's much slower and or reactionary bites. Jerk baits are one of my largest uh, fish catchers this time of year, something in the four-and-a-half to five-inch suspending jerk bait is going to be Really one of the best bets, uh, a Rapala Shadow Wrap has turned into one of my favorites, but some of the Mega Bass Vision 110s are always a really good choice. But working those jerk baits with just a nice, easy pop, pop, pause type presentation, 
Usually I'm not working them nearly as erratically as I would in a bit warmer water, but adjusting your presentation from a day-to-day basis as well as just the physical bite itself can certainly vary. So making sure to really pay attention when you get bites to how you are working that bait, um, but also if you're not getting bit, immediately uh, adjust and and keep changing until you can find something that those fish want to participate with. Okay, as this takes off, there's still going to be other opportunities. Have you heard anything really good in the rivers? Or I mentioned a little bit of ice fishing. What are you hearing in some of the other venues? It's one of the best spots that's been good producing uh, lately has been the, the tailwater below Pueblo. Uh, those fish are really spawning down there pretty hard right now, and a lot of folks both on the fly and conventional fishing are catching really nice rainbows and cupos. Uh, there have been some fish that have moved up into the dream stream, and as we start to get a few of these warmer days, potentially we'll start to see uh, some of those fish get in there. And if you're interested in that, certainly pay attention to the flows. And if we get a good bump in flows, many times that triggers a good run of those cupos and those rainbows out of 11 Mile. But speaking of 11 Mile itself, the ice fishing has still been really productive. A lot of those fish have been up shallow, and folks have been catching good fish along the weed lines with a bit more natural presentations like a grasshopper-colored tube jig. Um, But then also uh, going back down to the Arkansas River again, up above Pueblo toward the Salida area has uh, lost quite a bit of the ice up in there. There's been less ice flows in the middle of the day, and that's been providing a freestone opportunity uh, down toward that Salida and Canyon City area that has been pretty productive, and some folks have been catching quite a few browns. I couldn't agree. And I also mentioned uh, I also mentioned in the beginning of the show that I've had great reports from uh, Blue Mesa. It's, fishing, it's frozen over and fishing really well. That'll take a while for the ice to go. And Granby, the Granby stuff has really turned off the travel on Granby has gotten really good again I we just got some more snow there but it should stay it should stay pretty good and we're going to later on in the hour in the hour talk to the uh, talk to the folks from uh, Ridgeway Reservoir and they've got some pretty good stuff coming up but okay last thing we got we got a minute left give me a tip for the turkey hunters what do people do wrong that are just starting out real quick big biggest thing that I see is you're moving too much When you think that you need to make a move, give it another 15 or 20 minutes because a lot of times those birds will come in silent. Um, So I think patience is is the number one key with that. All right, my friend, if people want more information on any topic, where do they find you? I'm at Discount Fishing Tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again soon. You have a great weekend. You as well. Thanks so much, Terry. You bet, Austin Parr. Always a great resource. Tell you what, conditions are changing, folks, and there's a lot of pent-up demand. Uh, this shore fishing is going to be fun. You can do it in, you know, some of it's going to be morning and evening type bites, and Ronnie Castiglione is really going to get into that at the end of the show since some of the techniques, and I think uh, Nate Slinsky may touch on it too, but we're going to talk a lot about it. But if you just want to go catch fish, the <clears throat> the bass, the crappies, and especially the trout, is just ice recedes. They're going to provide just tremendous opportunities for daytime fishing and comfortable temperatures uh, with easy casts and just a lot of fun to be out. And we all are ready. We've had a long, dreary winter. We're all ready to get out. We'll take a time out. When we come back, we're going to talk, though, about another side of this and how the these winter conditions up in the mountains might be affecting the animals more than we think, even as much as we do need the water. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. 
listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear with locations up and down the Front Range. If you're an outdoor enthusiast, go into a Jack store and check it out. Let's go to the phones now and joining us from the northwest region of the state, uh, Rachel Gonzalez. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on. You know, everybody is applauding. They're doing backflips and cheering because we're getting so much snow in the mountains and winter has lasted longer. Now, they're not applauding because they have to put up with it on the front range, but they're applauding because of the water and how much we need this snow. But every coin has a couple sides to it, and this prolonged winter with the exceptionally deep snow doesn't necessarily have a positive effect on some of the game up there, does it? Uh, No, it doesn't. And so we're looking at the the this time of the year. Kind of tell us what's going on now. Normally, would the would the elk and the deer be migrating to different places? Are they having to look for other places to be? What's happening with the big game up there? Yeah. So typically during the winter time, you know, big game is going to move from those higher elevations um, down to lower ones that are going to have a better survivability for them. So we refer to that as winter range. And, you know, winter range is all over Colorado. So right now, in some of those areas here in the Northwest that are typically that prime winter range, um, they're seeing more snow. And that combination of snow and cold temperatures is forming a harder crust on top. So winter range doesn't mean that there's no snow in that area. It just means that it's less snow and easy for wildlife such as elk and deer and pronghorn to get to you know the food on the ground and this year it's a little bit harder um in some areas we're talking 30 inches of hard crusted snow so it's making it very difficult for them to find that food well during the course of the winter the big game animals tend to have a store of fat that they start the winter with and as they do continue to feed during the winter. They're usually not as prolific, and that fat burns off. And as we get towards the end of winter, they can actually find themselves in kind of a dire situation if they can't find enough easily accessible food, can't they? That's correct. So, you know, once we start to see that green up in spring, things get better. But, you know, as we know in Colorado, March and April are often our snowiest months. So in times when it should be greening up, we may not see that. So them being able to hold on to that fat as long as possible is important. So they're not going to move as much during the wintertime. They're not going to exert a lot of energy. They're going to, you know, keep it slow, kind of bed down, just take it easy and relax so they can hold on to that fat storage, uh, which is especially critical for, you know, uh, female wildlife that are pregnant. Well, and that's why it's important that as people that human interaction and activity that we're aware of what's going on and that we keep it in uh, our minds how we might be affecting the wildlife and that's gonna we're gonna talk in a minute about how you recreate uh, where you go and how you act could affect them and cause them more movement and cause them more stress but one thing I want to stress right before we even get into that is some people think they have a need to feed these animals And that can really be detrimental, can't it? Absolutely. So I think the most important part is feeding wildlife is illegal. 
So that I think is, is the key. But even though we think we're actually helping the animals, we're harming them. Um, you know, animals such as deer and elk, their digestive systems are very complex and they're not adaptable to handle that human food. So, you know, hay, alfalfa, straw, stuff like that. Um, so when people intentionally put out, again, although they maybe, you know, from their heart want to help these animals, um, they're actually leading to illness, poor body condition, and in some cases death. Kind of the other thing to think about, you know, when we put out salt blocks to, you know, attract wildlife or deer or things like that, when we're attracting the wildlife, we're also attracting the predators as well. So, you know, we have to kind of keep in mind that, again, even though we want to help them, um, we could actually be harming them instead. Especially if we gather them together in in situations where they're not as mobile, not, don't have as much energy, not only are they easier prey, but they also can spread disease much more quickly. So we have to be very careful. But let's talk about people recreating a little bit. What do we need to be aware of when we're out doing our winter recreation so we don't affect these animals? Yeah, so I kind of mentioned earlier that, you know, Colorado is, um, you can find winter range and winter habitat all over Colorado. So whether it be the mountains or even in, um, you know, areas around the Denver metro area that are, you know, populated. So one thing that we can do, especially in the wintertime, um, is know before you go. And I know we say that a lot with different things with recreating, but it's making sure that you're going to an area that is open. Um, we often close areas that are winter habitat through the winter um, to reduce that recreation. So if it's closed, don't go there. Um, and have a backup plan. So if you are going to an area that is open, but it's crowded, the parking lot is crowded, go someplace else. Because we don't want to be that extra person that adds that one more step of pressure on wildlife as they're trying to you know, survive. Um, the other thing is when you do recreate, keep your dog on a leash and under control. So, you know, with wildlife, again, as I know we've kind of talked about a few times, but their goal is to hold on to that, those calories and that fat. You know, when they feel threatened, they're going to run to escape that perceived danger. So that's just going to cause them to burn more calories, burn more fat, and decrease their survival until spring when we start to green up. Now, another one I want to mention, it's, Popular snowmobiling in Colorado, and of the snow we've had this year, I'm sure there's a lot of it going on. And I've owned a snowmobile in the past. It's a lot of fun. They can be especially disruptive, so be really careful, I would say. And I think you'll agree that snowmobiling near some of these winter range animals can, can really push them around a lot. Absolutely. You know, when you're out snowmobiling um, or backcountry skiing, cross-country skiing, you know, pay attention to signs. Um, a lot of areas will be marked on, on where to go and where not to go. So stay on those trails. Don't go off into, you know, the trees to, to hit that awesome, um, you know, fresh powder for those epic photos. You know, stay on the trails. But even pay attention to the signs when you get to the trailheads. You know, oftentimes if there are moose in the area um, or other wildlife, we or someone else will post a sign just to kind of let people know that they are in the area. So pay attention to those and stay on the trail. The last thing um, that I'll mention is that if 
situation would get dire. We're only in the middle of March. We could get some more heavy snows. This could go on for a while. Um, number one, it is part of nature. It calls the herd, some of the weaker animals. It's it's part of how we keep things healthy. But if it would become dire, CPW would step in, and they have in the past, and try to mitigate it as much as they could, wouldn't they? Right. So, you know, and, and it all kind of depends, like you said, on what that outcome is. You know, in some areas here in the Northwest, we are doing what's called baiting. So we are baiting animals. We're not feeding them. So we're we're giving them, as I like to kind of refer to the breadcrumbs. So we're giving them just enough to lead them away from roads, things like that, that could cause conflict um, with humans or even livestock in some of these areas. Um, so, you know, again, it goes to kind of where where wildlife is and how we decide to go from there. But right now we, we are, you know, to help that survivability, um, especially along the roadways because wildlife are using those roadways to get to and from places because it's easier. There's no snow. Um, so we are baiting them away um, from those to hopefully better habitats for them to survive these last couple of months, which are actually the most critical months for wildlife. Rachel, we are out of time. I know there's a wealth of information on CPW's site about interacting with animals. People should take a look at that. But thank you for bringing this to our attention. I think in our back of our minds, we know this, but sometimes we need a little bit of a kick to remind us how to respect the animals out there. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. You bet. Rachel Gonzalez. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to take you to a reservoir in the state that can produce some of the best brown trout fishing in Colorado, and there's lots of other things to do there, too. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. This this Colorado State Park segment is brought to you by the Great American RV Show. They're going to be at the Denver Convention Center of the 30th of March to the 1st of April with over 500 RVs on display. If you want more information, go to greatamericanrv.show. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from the Ridgeway Reservoir is uh, Derek McLaughlin. Good morning, Derek. Good morning, Terry. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Uh, it's beautiful. It's sunny. Uh, and, you know, you and I talked earlier in the week, and I think a surprise to people would be Typically, the ice is going away. They think of Ridgeway as this cold place out in the high mountains, but typically you're almost free of ice by this time of the year, but that's not the case, is it? No, that's correct, yeah. Usually we don't see the reservoir fully freeze over, but this year we definitely saw it freeze over, and we're sitting at about three inches of ice. Uh, There are some opening spots on the reservoir due to the warm weather that we have been getting and a lot of the wind that's picking up, but uh, two days ago there were still people fishing, Uh, ice fishing, and also ice skating. Let's talk a little bit about the conditions. Now, normally, you shoot for around the 17th of March to open your boat ramp. I have can't help but think that might be delayed. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it might be delayed. I'd like to believe that it's not going to be. You know, we try to open up March 17th, which is going to be this, or going to be on a Friday. Um, But with the the ice conditions right now, I don't know what that's going to look like. And then also we might be a little delayed because our AMS building is getting some construction done. 
but uh, hopefully this is all going to be taken care of prior to, to being open. Well, I think the best message before we get on to other things there is that you're going to open it as soon as possible here and just check the website and the Facebook page. I would think probably the best way to go. Yeah, you can check our, our Facebook page. You can, you know, call ahead uh, at the visitor center. Uh, we'll have ice conditions if you call. Um, and then you can reach out to me, which, you know, once you call the visitor center, I'm extension 23, and I can give you all that information as well. Now, you guys were pretty low on water this last year, but it looks like your area is getting a pretty substantial snowpack. What do you think the water levels are going to look like this year? Yeah, you, we did pull a lot more water last year, and that was due to us putting in a new fish net. Um, we're, try, we're trying to keep the uh, smallmouth bass that were illegally introduced out of the Uncapaga River, which is just below the dam. Um, we are probably going to come to full pull this year because we, we can allow that water to happen. And then obviously up in Red Mountain, we got a ton of snow, and I think we're going to get a lot of runoff. So I definitely foresee us, you know, becoming full pool this year. You know, you said coming off of Red Mountain, we should tell people where Pelhamore Ridgeway Reservoir is located. Yeah, so Ridgeway Reservoir is located just south of Montrose, about 20 minutes, and then it's also um, it's off of Highway 550 um, on the way to Ure, which is. Um, the Switzerland of Colorado, the United States. It's it's a very beautiful area located in the San Juan Mountains. Yeah, you took away my next line. I was going to say, but nobody <laughs> wants to go there because it's so ugly. But yeah, it, no, it's, it's, it's not pretty it's, at all. <laughs> uh, it's it's got to be one of the most beautiful beautiful areas in the state. I mean, the views and the reservoir itself, and it's tremendous. Now, we talked about the smallmouth bass, and there's a tournament you guys do every year. We'll talk about that later in the spring again. Um, how is that the success of keeping the numbers down? Has that been working for the smallmouth bass? Oh yeah, it's been it's been working tremendously. Uh, the numbers that we used to have compared to when we started the tournament, I don't remember. I want to say it was a few years ago we started it, but it's it's dropped tremendously. Thousands of uh, smallmouth are being caught every single year for this tournament, and that's helping eradicate you know getting rid of that population. Now, obviously, you know a few can still reproduce. And that's going to happen, but that's why we host that tournament to keep the numbers down. Yeah, and keep a compliance so that we don't get the federal government trying to put regulations on it. Right. Uh, before we before we get on to the really good fishing, there is your campgrounds open right now. Yeah, so our, our campgrounds are open, uh, but they they are limited. We're going to start opening more and more campgrounds come April. Um, but right now we have our Dakota Terrace. A loop is completely open, and then this year we also uh, opened up the Elk Ridge for winter camping as well. Um, we're starting to see more and more people come out now that the weather's starting to change a little bit. But uh, yes, we are definitely open year round, and uh, it's going to be A loop and also Elk Ridge. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in addition to the smallmouth bass, Ridgeway Reservoir I believe has kokanee. And I know you have rainbow trout that are stocked, but one of the big draws there is you have an incredible population of brown trout, and this soon coming spring fishing is just a great time to chase those. Yeah, and you know that's what uh, we try to open up as early as possible, which is why we're trying to open this March 17th. And that that's because typically there is still ice, and that's what a lot of these brown trout fishermen are looking for is the the browns that are cruising just out underneath the ice, and there's some absolutely phenomenal brown trout that are caught and uh to be honest with you this year you know we did our kokanee salmon um catch and we you know we want to spawn them and everything we did not see very good numbers um i don't know the reason behind that 
But one of the fish that were caught in the trap was a monster, monster, beautiful brown trout. So we still hold really, really good brown trout, and it's a great brown trout fisheries. Um, we, we stock a lot of um, stalker-sized uh, rainbow trout, and that's where a lot of these brown trout are coming up and doing is, is they're eating those stalker rainbows. Uh, there's, I think the lake record is like 30 inches or something. It's a huge, yeah. huge, huge trout. And uh, to get between 5 and 10-pound browns happens. Uh, not, you're not going to get one every trip, but they happen on a fairly significant basis out of that lake. And you, were t- you and I were talking, and this spring offers kind of a unique, the spring itself offers a unique opportunity because those fish you said they're coming up by shore where a lot of those stock trout are a lot of the bug life as the ice goes away the rainbows are going to try to fall spawn there's a lot going on and if the boat ramp opens a lot of fishermen will take their boats and they'll really try to fish for those brown trout right up against the shore which means there's also a great opportunity boat ramp open or not for shore anglers right oh absolutely yeah and one of our big areas where we start to see um, a lot of the ice melt happen the quickest is going to be in our Dakota, or I'm sorry, uh, Dallas Creek area. Um, we get a lot of fishermen that try to fish over by uh, the, the inlet of the river. Um, and then also we have a disabled area where a lot of people like to go down and fish too because it's really rocky, and that's where a lot of the brown trout are coming in. And, you know, there's a number of ways to chase these. I'm sure they get caught on a lot of different, uh, lot of different presentations, but we were talking about... Uh, spring walleye fishing on the front range here, a lot of times when I chase them, those brown trout in the spring, I chase them the same way with a, a jerkbait cast out and this twitched uh, in the shallow water. And it's amazing how those fish, they can be so aggressive. And I'm sure you see other other types of uh, other types of presentations that work too. Last, last question before I let you go, you also have a great tailwater there. What's that looking like? Oh, yeah, the Uncapagre right there uh, at Paco Chupac. Um, it's always great fishing. You know, we get a lot of guides that do come through, and they're, they're pretty successful. Um, I think with the water that we're going to have this year, I don't foresee us having a lot of uh, big water releases, meaning it's going to stir up a lot of the sediment and wash that kind of area out. I think it's going to be very consistent this year, um, especially with us being able to come to full pool. But, uh, yeah, we, we, get, you know, we, do, we do stock that. We put a lot of the big mamas in there. Um, but there are some beautiful fish that get caught, and there is some monster browns in there as well. All right, my friend, we're out of time, but Ridgeway is just always on my list of great places. I hope a lot of people start taking advantage of it real soon this spring. Yeah, no, absolutely. Come on out. You will not regret it. All right. Thanks, Derek. Yeah, have a good day, Terry. You bet. Derek McLaughlin, just a great, great uh great experience. This segment of Parks was brought to you by the Great American RV Show. It's coming to the Denver Convention Center March 30th through April 1st with over 500 RVs on display. Go to greatamericanrv.show for more information. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to be joined by a bunch of folks over the next hour and talk a lot of outdoors on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by the Great American RV Show on 104.3 The Fan. Listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I want to go right to the phone. Joining us, one of our longtime partners and one of our favorite partners from Prestige Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Longmont is Randy Deschler. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Terry. How are you? 
you know, I'm doing great, and I wanted to get you on and talk about a few things. First of all, I want, I, want, I want to address kind of what's going on in the auto industry, but before we do that, um, people need to know that even though it's beautiful today, there's winter coming yet. I was listening to my, or I did my commercial spot for you guys, and we talked about we'll probably get a snowstorm, and you're going to be glad if you have a great, reliable four-wheel drive vehicle, and you guys have a bunch of those we're going to talk about. But then people are also planning their, their vacations, their trips, and we've talked over the last few months how things are trying to return to normal, but people are still doing a lot of outdoor camping, outdoor recreation, and having the right vehicle makes it so much better. First of all, let's do a quick update. You know, you go back a year or two, and it was difficult to even find vehicles to buy. Are you guys doing pretty well on inventory? Yeah, Terry, we've uh, we've seen probably in the past couple months we've started to uh, receive some additional inventory that we hadn't seen, uh, you know, kind of in the past 12 to 16 months. So the additional inventory has kind of helped kind of uh, level the market out a little bit. So there's some, you know, some nice factory uh, rebates and special financing and some things that are available now that haven't been uh, available, you know, recently in the past. So uh, the market's uh, sustained a little bit, so it's a great time to, to get out there. And if you were kind of waiting because uh, you didn't want some of those inflated prices, now's a great time to take a look and uh, some, some good deals available. Now I want to talk to you both about your overall inventory. Then I want to talk about a special segment of the auto industry that really is coming on. First of all, overall, you guys, um, because of the brands you carry, they're legendary Jeep and Ram. Of course, Karen drives the Jeep and... I have a Ram truck. We've been doing that for years and years. I think my family's bought over 20 vehicles from you guys. And that's not because you're just a partner. It's because of the way you treat everybody. Although you do treat Karen better than me. You and I are going to have to talk about that sometime. (laughs) (laughs) She always gets special emphasis that I don't seem to get. Well, we'll have a discussion. But overall, (laughs) what kind of vehicles people look in for that four-wheel drive, um, Take us through maybe the stuff that's available or anything new other than the electric, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, so we have, you know, in, uh, we have Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram available um, at our store. So, uh, you know, 1,500 Rams, you know, which are great for everyday use and some light-duty towing, uh, 25 and 3,500 Ram trucks, which are great for uh, clients that are pulling, you know, fifth wheels or, uh, bigger trailers or have camper applications that they want to look at. And then our full lineup of, uh, of Jeeps, which have, you know, some smaller uh, models, Compass and Cherokee that feature great gas mileage and all the way up to uh, our Grand Cherokee and Wrangler, which have a high, high amount of, you know, luxury features available and the Wrangler, which is great for, you know, off-roading and customers that want to get to kind of off the grid and have some off-road capability, which is not, not a lot of vehicles. Uh, currently in the market have some of those capabilities like that Wrangler does. Oh, you're absolutely right. And that kind of gets to what I really want to talk to you about. We're seeing this push with gas prices and with the environment about electric and hybrid. And uh, Jeep and Ram and Dodge have really jumped on that concept, haven't they? Yeah, so, you know, brand new to us is... uh, is some hybrid, you know, options in the Wrangler and the Grand Cherokee, which offer, uh, you know, plug-in uh, hybrid models in, in both of those vehicles. They give you uh, about a 25 to 30-mile range on electric only, 
but then they're hybrid, so you have the gas option as well, too. So it doesn't, you know, limit your capabilities as far as if you do want to take it on a trip or go off-road. You have that gas option that's available as well, too. Uh, but, you, you know, when you return from those trips over the weekends and you're commuting uh, daily to work, you can, you know, run in just that electric mode. And so you kind of get the, the best of both worlds. You don't compromise any of your... Um, flexibility of having that gas engine, but you have the electric option as well, too. And the nice thing is, is they did continue uh, the $7,500 uh, federal uh, tax incentive for the hybrid vehicles as well, too. So you get the benefit of the mileage, but also get that tax savings, you know, when it's time to do taxes at the end of the year. Now, one of the things we didn't talk about, is the towing capacity pretty good on these plug-in hybrids? Yeah, you have towing capacity. You have towing capabilities on the Wrangler and the Grand Cherokee, both. So, you still get all the all the benefits of the G capability. Um, just the benefit of having that electric mode uh, when you need it. So, kind of the best of both worlds. And I think that's what kind of separates the Jeep name as a lot of the uh, electric or uh, plug-in vehicles that are on the market are really for on-road use. You know, only you don't get any of that off-road uh, capability or towing. Uh, versus the Jeep, you don't lose any of that capability. You just get the benefit of the electric. So it does everything that uh, our Jeep customers have become accustomed to in the past with their models, with just some additional, uh, you know, flexibility as far as that electric use as well. Yeah, and that's a, a just a great combination because you can plug it in, but you've got the gas. And, like, if you're going up on a fishing or a camping trip or, like you said, a trip, uh, just a vacation. You don't have to worry about finding places to plug in. But if you're stopped at a place, you're going to increase your gas mileage and you're going to use the electric. So it really gives you a lot of great options. Uh, do you have pretty good selection of these at the dealership right now, or do we have to order them? No, we actually have a great inventory of both the Grand Cherokee and the Wrangler both. I think this is a segment that uh, the manufacturer is really going to start to uh, really want to get out there in the marketplace and, and promote. So uh, we have a good inventory of both of those available as well as some, uh, some nice uh, factory discounts and rebates on top of the federal, on uh, top of the federal tax incentive as well too. So it's a great time to get out there and look at those, at those models and uh, just kind of experience, you know, some, some of the new things that the market's bringing to us. Randy, you got to let you go, but what's the best way for people to find you? The best way probably would be just to, uh, you know, go to our website, which is prestigechryslerdodge.com. Uh, you can kind of browse inventory uh, on there. We have over 250 new vehicles and just under 600 uh, pre-owned vehicles available on that website to kind of start your search. And um, uh, all the contact points are on, on the website there. And so we'd love anybody that wanted to reach out and take a look and uh, we'd be happy to uh, assist you in any way that we can. All right, my friend. Well, you've sure been good to us over the last couple decades. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you, Terry. Have a good rest of your weekend. All right. That's Randy Dashler. They really have been a great partner to us. You know, most of the partners, all the partners on our show have just been phenomenal. That's why they've been with us so many years, because we're proud to represent them. We're going to take it. Speaking of somebody we're proud to represent or have with us, our next guest, Nate Zielinski, is coming up. Let's take a time out so we can get back and talk to him on Terry Wicksham Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan.